good time is when it's cold to go biking. Okay, all right, Dr. Rashi, you heard that. Follow up with that. Okay. There is a talk of the Rebbe where the Rebbe talks about how to get ready to get married and how to live married and how to live your life and how to start your life. And I don't know why this talk doesn't get so much attention. I think this is like a very fundamental thing in life. And um, let's try to learn it. Let's go. It's not a long talk, but it has a lot to do with, with who we are and where we're going. So the parasha begins with Yaakov leaving from Be'er Sheva and going to Haran. And this is a continuation from last week's parasha. Last week's parasha, Yaakov escapes from his brother Esav. And here Yaakov arrives in Haran. In the Torah, everything is very precise. Even from one extra letter, we can learn many halachas. So much more so, if some whole concept is repeated several times, there is a lesson for all people, for all times. So the Torah is, is giving us somewhat of a repetition here of last week's parsha. Yaakov leaves his, his father's house and he escapes. There must be a reason. The name Be'er Sheva, the name of the place that Yaakov's parents live, Yitzhak and Rivka lived, is given that name for two reasons. Reason number one, Sheva comes from the word oath. That's the place that a covenant, an oath was made between Avraham and Avimelech. They swore to each other that they're going to be peaceful towards each other. And the second reason why it's called Be'er Sheva is because Sheva means seven wells. There were seven wells that were dug after Avraham and Avimelech made peace with each other, before there was a dispute about the wells. And now there is peace and Avram digs a seventh well. In, according to either, the, either of these interpretations, we're talking about Avram and Avimelech in a state of peace. They're getting along. So Yaakov is leaving the place of peace, the place of comfort, the place of... And he's going to a place called Haran. Haran means anger. It means in the world, this is the place in the world which causes God to be the most upset about. That's how low this place is. He's going from a place of peacefulness to a place of anger. So question. What's that Persian word? Charabe. Charabe means destruction. Yeah. Charabe and Charan have a lot in common. Um, So the uh, question like this. Hashem gave us a Torah and mitzvahs with his full and open hand. Wherever you turn, there's either a mitzvah to do or there's a vera not to do. So it would have made more sense, it should have been, that Hashem should take away all worries from us. Should take away the worry of the exile. Should take away the worry of earning a living. In order that we should be able to more easily perform mitzvahs. So you should have also arranged that we should be involved solely with the tents of Torah. So two things. All worries should be removed. There shouldn't be anything that we have to take care of. Take care of uh, this, take care of that. So it should all be taken care of. Because we have so many mitzvahs to do. We have such a big responsibility. So it should have been like, okay, your job is to do mitzvahs, and Hashem will take care of everything else. That's what it should have been. And number two, when, when we, what, what should we be doing all day? It should have been, according to this logic, we should all be just learning Torah all day. So... Why is it that there's so much uh, more to do? Um, why does Hashem give us such, does He encumber us with so many trivial things 
we have when we have such a huge responsibility on our head that wherever we turn there's another mitzvah to do wherever we turn there's another another there not to do if that's what Hashem wants he should take away all the worries so we see something in this week's Torah portion we see the Torah talks about Yaakov that means the Torah is talking about the Jewish people in their purest state Abraham has Ishmael Yitzhak has an Esau the purest state of the Jewish people is Yaakov so what kind of life did Yaakov live before Yaakov builds a Jewish home he leaves the yeshiva of Shem and he leaves the yeshiva he leaves Be'er Sheva he leaves a place of tranquility both the, the, the spiritual tranquility of the yeshiva and the peaceful tranquility represented by the place of Be'er Sheva. he leaves all that and he goes to Haran the, the Harabe place exactly of the world so what this teaches us, uh, teaches us is that before Yaakov can build a home for the Jewish people, before he can accomplish something, he has to, he has to be in Beersheba. He has to first be in a place where godliness is vivid, a place where mitzvahs are easy and averis are hard. Zev is thinking, home on the range, yeah. A place where mitzvahs are easy and averis are hard. That's where he has to be first. That's where he has to be before he gets married. But in order to actually make it happen, to actually get married and to build a home for the Jewish people, then he has to leave Be'er Sheva, he has to come to Haran, he has to go to a place of concealment of godliness, a place where godliness is hidden. So to get ready to get married, yes, he has to go to the yeshiva. He has to go to, that's great. There has to be some kind of wholeness in his life. But in order to actually make it happen, there is a, there's a big switch. He has to go to the worst place in the world to, to make things happen. The word... Los Angeles. Huh? Los Angeles. <laughs> the word... Everyone feels this about their own city. <laughs> so every city has its challenges. The, the Talmud actually says that everyone loves their own city. Everyone has reasons why they feel their city is like the best city ever. Anyways... So the word world, let's forget about Los Angeles or any other city. The word world means concealment. Word, as Chassidim say, welt liked. World lies. The world is a lie. The world lies to us. The world says, I am, and it's not. So that's everywhere in the world. That's, that's just Ilm has. The whole world lies. And especially the place of, of concealment, place of Charan, we're talking heavy concealment. So this is a place where Averis are easy and mitzvahs are hard. And specifically by him being in a place where he is challenged, that is how he is able to erect the Jewish home. He is able to have all these perfect offspring. And this is a message to each of us. It's specifically through having challenges and overcoming challenges. Can you build a Jewish home? Can you build a luminous home? Can you build a warm home? So don't think like because you're you're in a, in, a, in a new environment where you, you know, like, think about, I'm just thinking myself, translating this into our lives. You leave the yeshiva, a be'er sheva-like like place, and then you have to engage in all kinds of other things. You think like, well, this is, this is for sure not going to work because this is so far into where I came from. And we learn from Yaakov, it's exactly the opposite. It's precisely by being in a place of challenge, by being outside of the place of be'er sheva, outside the place of tranquility, outside of the yeshiva, where the place of challenges are, that's where all the good stuff happens. It's by overcoming those tests, and, and, that, and that's how Yaakov does it, and that's how each of us do it. Okay, 
So how do you do this? So Torah says, when Yaakov goes to Haran, the very first thing he does is he starts to dive. Now, he's going to get married. So what would conventional wisdom say to Yaakov? Hey Yaakov, you're going to get married? Learn, don't be such a greenie, you know? Learn the language, learn the fashion. Learn how to, uh, to show up in town in Haran and, and, and be dressed to kill, you know? That's, that, that's what you advise Yaakov. But Yaakov, the very first thing he does is that he, he, he goes and he davens to Hashem, gets involved in the service of Hashem. This is a message for all of us. When someone needs to build a Jewish home, you may think, till now I was learning Torah, till now I was involved in mitzvahs, but now I'm going out in the world, I have to put it all on the side and I have to devote myself to learn and to copy what everyone else in the world is doing. I have to run after the inhabitants of this country and see what they're doing. So the Torah says, you got it all wrong. And by the way, this is something I think that a lot of yeshiva students have trouble with. Like, and, and, and the mother calls them up and finally she convinces the, the yeshiva student, and now you need to get married. What does the boy go do? He goes into the bathroom, he goes into the, he looks in the mirror and he starts combing his hair. Uh, that, that, that's... Um, that's, that's flawed. It's cute. The very first thing you need to do, says the Rebbe, you need to go and daven to Hashem. You need, you're going, you, you need a great blessing. You need a great door to be opened. The very first thing you need to do is you need to daven. On the contrary, now do you need to daven too. We now need to daven more. Because whatever you did before, whatever you did before, you're learning Torah, you're davening, it's not enough where you are now. Now you have new challenges. I remember my father, all of a sudden, uh, when I told him that I was engaged, he asked me if I'm still learning Torah as much. I said, not as much. He says, oh man, you got it all wrong. Now you really need to learn Torah. So, the tests that you have now are greater, and therefore the davening has to be greater. It's, it's a greater davening when you're, creating, when you're encountering greater challenges. It's kind of, it reminds how, me of... How, how, how does that fit with when I went through the same thing, where I'm like... But now I'm married, now I'm not going to shul as much, and you have a baby, now you're not going to shul, you're not adopting as much, you're not doing all that as much. And then I quote Rabbi Levin, don't worry, it's okay, you're doing what you can. But there's a part of you yeah. that still feels a little missing. There's only so much a person can do, and there's challenges everywhere. Leaving Haran, I feel like it's Haran everywhere that you go. There is no non-Haran environment in, in the world. First of all, first of all, um, my my uh, spiritual uh, allowance uh, to you is expired. <laughs> Time to go back to shul. Number two, number two is a very good question. Perhaps, perhaps that in you're right. The, the joke is that Avram makes shachris, Yitzchak makes mincha, and Yaakov makes Meiriv because he has to put twelve kids to sleep. Oh my gosh, I gotta go to Meiriv. That's that's the. Um, and that's wrong, of course, right? So, so, but perhaps even for those who are encumbered with all kinds of stuff, like we learned in Parshas Noach, but the Maim Rabbim, that the great waters are supposed to uplift your davening. So, so maybe in quality, you're able to daven a lot better than you could before when you didn't have all these challenges. Maybe the quantity isn't as great, maybe. Uh, maybe that we, 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 you know, we give in to our, uh, comfortable for us and we could daven more if we just arrange our schedule differently. At home, albeit at home, whatever, but... For sure, the davening is supposed to be more intense. For sure, the davening is supposed to be more real. It's like, for example, we learned uh, the, the sicha of the Rebbe about the blowing the trumpets at time of war. Like, there's times you daven, times you blow your trumpets. Like, I need help, you know? That's what's supposed to happen. That's what's supposed to say, I'm, I'm stopping daven now. 
In your head, you're supposed to be, I need Hashem more. And therefore, you need to daven more. Maybe daven more, everyone on their level, whatever is possible. But, but, but davening means more. Quality, quantity, whatever it is. But it has to be more. Because you need Hashem more. So what does Yaakov do? First thing, he daven. Second thing he does, he comes to the place and he puts stones around his head when he, before he goes to sleep to protect himself from wild animals. Now, obvious question is, if he wants to protect himself from wild animals, why only his head? And if he's not concerned about the wild animals, why his head, why anything? So the answer is like this. It says in the Torah, this is, this is a spiritual message over here. There are, there have addressed this in other ways, uh, not getting into it now, but uh, for, for, for right now, the Rebbe says that it says in the Torah, by the work of your hands, you shall eat. And if you do, you will be fortunate and it will be good for you. So the Torah emphasizes by the work of your hands. That means your involvement in your earning a livelihood, livelihood should only be with your hands and your mind and heart should be free to serve Hashem, to free to think about what's really important. And you're, um, there is another option. Another option is you, you, you look at your, what you need to do, you look at what you need to earn, and you, as the American uh, philosophy is, you need to put everything into this. You put everything into it, put your head into it, put it all into it. It's a false thing. It's not true. Yegiyah reishcha is false. There says that's not a fortunate way of life. The fortunate good way of life is yegiyah kapecha, only working with your hands. And only then can, does the Torah say ashrecha. Only then does the Torah say you're fortunate. Only then does the Torah say it's good for you. Not only is it good for you spiritually, it's good for you physically too. And the reason why it's good for you physically too is because the abundance that you're looking for is not found by working harder and working longer. On the contrary, Hasidus gives the example of clothing. That you want to garb God's blessing. You want to, put, you want to dress God's blessing. God's sending you the blessing and your job is just to put a garment on. Now, just like by garments that we wear, if the garments are too long, you trip on them. So too, if there's too much attention to the garment, it actually messes up what you want, what you're trying to earn. So when Yaakov goes to Haran, he knew very well where he's going. He knew he's going to have to do, get involved with his uncle, Lovin, the swindler. He knew that on the way there are wild animals. So what did he do? You know, I need to protect, I, I, I think I shared with you when I was growing up in Worcester, there was a, today a chess champion named Ilya Garevich, and he told us, in order to be successful on the board, you have to concentrate on the four squares in front of the king and queen. They got those four squares, you're going to win the game. So too in your life, you have, to, you have to protect your head. Protecting your head so that you don't have the worries of the road, you're not, or the, or the work of love, and that should not be in your head. Protect your head. Your head should be clear. The pre- preparation you make to earn a living, and earning a living, do that with your hands. All the preparations, you need to earn a living, yes. You need to prepare to earn a living. Whatever you need to do to prepare, whatever you need to do to earn a living, that all should not affect the way you think. Your, th- your thoughts should be clear. And this is a lesson that says for all of us. A person has to see that his mind should be protected. And if your mind is protected, then that makes sure, that, is, that, that will assure that your heart, and I mean that your hands and feet will be the way they're supposed to be. Interesting examples that it gives for your hands and feet. Or what they'll do if your mind is okay. Interesting example. It says in the Torah, your left hand should push away your child, your right hand should bring him close. So it says, in order to in order to get that right, your mind has to be in a good space. That doesn't explain why, but I think 
Right? I mean, like, what does this have to do with earning a living? But I think we all can relate to it. If your mind is encumbered with earning a living, then your child comes home to you after after school and says, "Hey, Dad, I look what I did for homework. Like, I'm busy." And you're, and you're strict when you, need to, when you need to be nice. You're nice when you need to be strict. And you don't have this right balance of the right hand, which in the Torah, right means the stronger hand. The, the, the more, there's more power. There's more power invested in bringing your child close to you. And, there's, and only your left and only your weaker hand is involved in pushing him aside. Only your left hand is involved in, in making that discipline, that balance. The psychologists say it has to be four times as much positive words. Positive words aren't... Um, go clean up your plate for dinner. Commands are not positive words. That's part of the discipline thing. There has to be four times as much, at least, of positive re- reinforcement to the child of love and affection and kindness and warmth than this left hand. So that's what the Torah says. Your right hand has to bring the, your child close. Your left hand has to push away. Zerba so says, when will you get that right? Only if your mind is protected. Second thing, Zerba says, your feet will do what they're supposed to do. What are feet supposed to do? The Torah says you should run to do mitzvahs. You only run to do mitzvahs if your brain is clear. If your brain is not clear, you're not running to do mitzvahs. You may do mitzvahs, but you're not, you're not running to do mitzvahs. So only if your mind is where it's supposed to be, will your hands be the way they're supposed to be, will your feet be the way they're supposed to be. Okay, what did Yaakov shrouds his head with? Yaakov shrouds his head with stones. What are stones? Stones are inanimate, and just like there are animate vegetation, animal and human, so too there is um, uh, different parts of our persona which are represented by those four things. Stones represent beneath our minds, beneath our hearts. Stones represent the inanimate part of us, the part of us which does not have any vitality, doesn't even have the vitality of the soul of vegetation, the soul of of, of, of grass, of trees, of plants, that's what Yaakov connected himself, with stones, with something which seems to be devoid of content. What's the lesson? When you're going out into the world, and you want the world to not affect you, so you have to, the first thing you need is, what's the number one ingredient you need? Kabolas il macho shemayim Parenthetically, I heard from great Hasidim, I don't know if this is printed anywhere, that when you are under the chuppah, and you think, that you want to accept upon yourself the yoke of heaven, there is a blessing for 50 years that your decision, that you want, you really want to do what Hashem wants you to do, that will give you a blessing for 50 years. Like the rest of us thinking, what about the next 50? We'll, 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 we'll renew your vows, don't worry. Anyways, but the first thing that Yaakov needs when he goes to make sure the world doesn't affect him is he needs to have he needs to accept upon himself the yoke of heaven he needs to accept upon himself that this sense of servitude to Hashem His, your mind and your heart aren't enough to get this job done you're going out in the world you're going to get married and live a life outside of the yeshiva what you need right now is stones what's the meaning of a stone? we say in our prayers every day let my soul be like dust to all that means you want to Push aside the way you think, push aside the way you feel, and just listen to what Hashem wants you to do. An inanimate object is unable to move. You can't by itself. Unless someone comes along and moves it, it it can't move by itself. So if I'm going to be like an inanimate object, what that means is I'm going to be a simple servant of Hashem, and when Hashem moves me from one place to another, I'm flexible, I'm going. But without that, 
I am. Uh, I'm only going where he's telling me to go. I'm. I have not, I'm not. I'm not going by myself. I'm only going because he wants me to go somewhere. I'm flexible. I'm. I'm. I'm not, I have no in, mind. I have no heart. I have no feelings. I'm pushing it all aside. Where does Hashem want me to go? That's what you need in order to go out in the world. That's the first thing that we need. Kabbalah We need to have stones. Now, then the Torah says there's a reward for this. What's the reward? The reward for this is Hashem promises Yaakov, or actually Yaakov promises Hashem, this stone which I erected as a monument for Hashem will be a house for Hashem. Says the Rebbe, silver and gold are not the house of Hashem. Simple stones. And not only are simple stones the house of Hashem, but the stones that he found on the road, we're not talking about any prestigious stones, we're just talking about some stones that he found on the road. These stones become a house of God. How do they become a house of God? This is, they become a house of God by him surrounding himself with these stones. As we said before, which means he accepts upon himself to do what Hashem wants. That simple act of, I'm showing up for duty, a friend of mine told me when he joined the Israeli reserves, he was showed up for the Israeli reserves in the army, he, he had a hard time with his 20-year-old bossing him around. 20-year-old says, go, 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 get your uniform. Like, who is this guy? He's like 30 years older than him. But then he put on the uniform, all of a sudden, like, you know, he felt like, I got to do this. It, 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 just wearing the uniform changed all the energy. So similar way, Yaakov surrounds himself with stones. That means the first thing you need to don't know is, the Rebbe says, you need to know that you can't rely on your mind and heart. You got to focus on what does Hashem want you to do. Then what does Yaakov do? The next thing he does, he makes a vow to God. The idea of making a vow is, again, the same concept. I'm not following. When you make a vow, you're pushing yourself into something. You're pushing yourself in, not saying, I understand, not saying you feel. You're forcing yourself. You're vowing. You're forcing yourself. You're promising, I'm going to do this. And through this, through this, you, this, this the obedience to Hashem, in the seemingly um, most insignificant kind of part of yourself, this, this, this sense of obedience, that actually causes that every part of your life, even the lowest and most insignificant parts of your life, become a house of God. How do you bring godliness and goodness and holiness to those parts of your life which are the nethermost, which are the most insignificant? It's by this idea of a vow which represents, by, by making that decision, that Abraham once said in the Mimer, he gives himself over as a servant of Hashem. That's what creates this opening so that all of your life is filled, filled with, with godliness. And that's a lesson for all of us, especially to those who are about to build a Jewish home, to a chas and kala, that, the or, that not just your sitter and your home is holy, not, not just your chumash in your home is holy, but also this spoon and fork in your house needs to be holy. And how does it become holy? Number one, what does Yaakov do? He davens. And not only is he uh, awake in the middle of davening, but even when he goes to sleep, what does Yaakov say when he goes to sleep? This is that gate of, of, of heaven. When, when you start off with this, this, this with, with a vow, with the stones, you know who you belong to, and you daven to Hashem, then you're able to create a home that everything in this home, it becomes a house of Hashem. L'chaim, l'chaim. Have a wonderful Shabbos, Surah Stavis, Mashiach now, of Kazakh. Yes, Dr. Raspin, you have something to say? Okay, I was in literature.